Welcome to AdvisorTech Unplugged, the monthly podcast brought to you by MoneyInfo, the client portal and mobile app supplier for financial advisors and wealth managers. This podcast is designed to help address the challenges of the 21st century advisor. Each month, we invite a special guest to talk to us about current topics affecting their area of expertise in the advisor tech space. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or general feedback, get in touch with us by email at support at moneyinfo.com or tweet us at moneyinfotech. Welcome to our Money Info Advisor Tech Unplugged podcast. My name is Lou Wallace from Money Info, and this week it gives me great pleasure to welcome Carla Langley, Head of Proposition at Progeny. This week we'll be talking about what it means to be data driven. So firstly, welcome Carla. Thank you for your time. Um, and I'd just like to start by asking you to introduce yourself if that's okay, and tell us a little bit about what your role involves at Progeny. Yeah, thank you, Lou. So as you said, Carla Langley, um, I work as Head of Proposition at Progeny. So essentially what I do at Progeny is I'm very much focused on what what it is we deliver to clients and how we deliver it. So how do we deliver it from a technology perspective? What does that look like? How do we charge for it? What does the client experience look like? And most importantly, is all of this within regulatory requirements as well? So I work really closely with our compliance team and our tech teams to go, okay, how do we deliver a really great service proposition to our clients? and what does that look like so that's in a nutshell what I do at Progeny. Excellent that's great Um, and before we get into the detail of today's session um, some listeners might be sitting here thinking what does being data driven mean so I think if it's okay with you we'll just take a step back and explain what you know what being data driven means for for a business and I think it's important to say you know not just big companies progenies are you know a company of a you know significant size but many of our firms are you know um potentially smaller so what does being data driven mean if that's okay yeah I think that's a really good place to start actually Lou because I think particularly over the last year or so we've been hearing this terminology quite a lot haven't we about being data-driven firms being really focused on being data-driven and I sat back and thought I wonder how many of us actually understand what that even means so I think in our industry when you hear the term data-driven and especially as you've mentioned if you're quite a, a small firm you might hear that and think oh it's corporate nonsense what does that even mean what's it what's it mean for us but actually if you you think about it really what we're talking about is saying instead of making assumptions about our business instead of just assuming that we know things actually let's start to base our business decisions our strategy and our output on actual real tangible data so let's put a bit of science behind what we do So for us, it's about saying we don't want to make assumptions about our business or about our clients, but we want there to be a really solid foundation to absolutely everything that we do. And that solid foundation is data. So instead of just assuming we know what clients want, assuming we know how they want to interact with us, assuming we know what they want from a technology perspective, actually, let's get that data together and let's think about, right, what does that mean? So actually, even if you're a small sized firm or a medium sized firm, all of that data is really, really important. So I get why people might hear this concept of being data driven and think, okay, maybe it's just corporate jargon, but actually it's not. It's really important to to any business, regardless of how big or how small you are. 
And as I say, it's about having something tangible that underpins what you do as a business. And if you've got that, suddenly you've got this really meaningful business. So from my perspective as head of proposition, I think it's massively important that we're data driven and that we've got all of this data available. Because from a propositional perspective, I want to have as much data as possible to help me really thoroughly understand our client bank. So, for example, Lou, things from the client's ages, um, understanding our client's ethnicities, understanding the gender, the communication preferences, understanding the wealth that they've got. So looking at all the data behind that and going, okay, what does their wealth look like from an asset perspective? How is that held? Is it in business? Is it in investable assets? And actually going right through to the data that tells us how often they log into the client portal. What are they looking at when they log into the client portal? How engaged are these clients in our tech offering? And all of that kind of data from my perspective is so important particularly when we're building a proposition, but actually so important in loads of other areas of your business as well. So for me, I think that data is just, it's key really to, to being able to make real solid decisions about how you move forward with your business. I think as well, one of the things that's probably really interesting when we start to talk about being data-driven is thinking about how it can support you particularly from maybe a regulatory perspective, because I'm mindful that particularly if you're a smaller business, that's probably one of the biggest pressures on your business at the moment is the regulator and risk and how do you deal with all of that kind of stuff. And a massive question the FCA are putting on firms at the minute is actually how can you um, evidence value for money in your client service proposition? So we've seen loads around that, haven't we? The FCA saying, well, if you're taking a 1% fee or you're taking a 0.75% fee, how do you demonstrate value for money? How do you demonstrate that the, the clients really value that and what you're delivering? So from my perspective, if you start to think about data, I think that's a really great place to actually start to be able to answer that question in terms of how you're delivering value for money and actually does your service proposition stack up? So I think from, from that point of view, that's probably a really good place to start in terms of what could be really good data to gather. I think probably a really good place to start in terms of gathering data is going, right, okay, let's look at our service proposition and let's understand if it is it good value for money and how do we demonstrate that? Now, one of the things that you can potentially do is looking at doing a client survey. So we've recently just done a client survey at Progeny and gathered loads of data around what our clients think about what we deliver. So what do they think about our service proposition? What do they value around our service proposition? We've asked them loads of questions about things like the client portal. So as you know, Lou at Progeny, we use the Money Info client portal. We've asked our clients loads of questions around that to say, okay, do you value this? Do you value this piece of technology? Does it work for you? And alongside that, obviously, we've asked them lots of other questions about all the other bits and pieces that we do for them. But as a business, I think that's so important because from a regulatory perspective, the FCA at the moment is challenging firms on things like um, how do you demonstrate value for money? Is your fee value for money? And I think one of the things we need to remember is 
defining value for money shouldn't come from the regulator it should come from your client so your client should define whether they do or don't value what you deliver to them but if you've not got that data to support whether they do or don't value what you do it's really hard to actually stand up to the regulator when they start asking you direct questions about your fee models etc so this is where I suppose this whole concept of being data driven and using data within your business actually starts to become a bit more real, doesn't it? Because you go, actually, this is a really great example of where you can realistically use some really meaningful data to be able to go, OK, we can manage this risk within our business. We can manage this aspect of um, what the FCA is asking about. And we can go, do you know what? We've been out and asked our, asked our clients. The clients have come back and said X, Y and Z. We've got all the data to support it. And either the data shows us that clients really value what we do. And actually, we've got a really good value proposition. Or actually, the clients don't value what we do. And we've done this to change it. And I think that's probably a really meaningful place to start, Lou, if I'm honest. I, I think that's brilliant. And, I, and, and I've, I've got a couple of questions um, off, off the back of that. So um, did you go out to all of your clients or did you target a, a, a specific demographic would be my first question around the, the client survey because I think that's something all firms can you know almost immediately give some some thought to on how they might how they might approach a client survey yeah I think it's a good question we went to all clients so all well I say all clients all clients who are receiving an ongoing service so we went to all of those clients we didn't just target a particular um, client base we went to all of our clients because actually the reason for that was they are all paying an ongoing fee so we need to understand what that looks like so within that client survey we're able to identify which which category those clients actually fit into from a, a demographic perspective and then once all that data comes in we can we can split it up then to say well this is this client that sits over here and we can we can almost analyze it in that perspective but I think it's really important that you go out to all your clients to look at that yeah because you, you can fall into the trap of well let's you know let's not ask um those half a dozen clients because they might not answer in a favorable way or the or the way we want the, the survey to go so um and actually if there is some negative feedback or if there is some constructive feedback at least you know and you can you can act upon that and what sort of response rate did you get from the survey was it as much as you'd expected or yeah, well, we were really pleased, actually. I, um, and I don't, I don't know if you know this, but with client surveys, response rates tend to be really, really low. Um, so we were really pleased. We got a much higher response rate than we were expecting. Um, and actually a response rate that allows us to go, right, we can use this data. It's it's usable. It's not low enough that we, we almost have to disregard it. So the response rate came in. It was under 20 percent, if I'm yeah. honest. Um, but that's still, and you'll probably know this from your experience, actually, it was it was a really good number um, that come back. And I think the reason actually we got such a good response rate is because we don't do these things all the time. Yes. And that's important, isn't it? Because you don't want to be going to your client year in, year out with the same old survey. I think it's really important that if you do a client survey, you don't bombard them constantly. You make it meaningful. You do it maybe once every three to five years at most um, and try and actually get some meaningful data from when, from the survey when you do do it. Um, but no, we did get a good response rate on the survey, so it was pleasing. That's really good. And and, and it, did you, I mean, you don't have to give away all your trade secrets here, but I wonder how you delivered that survey. Was it postal? Was it digital? You know, was it via the, 
um, you know, the progeny portal, um, because I think they're giving, making it easy for clients to, you know, to tick boxes. And, you know, if it's in the too hard box, I think we're all guilty of, you know, putting it away for later and, and maybe never getting round to it. Exactly. Well, being a tech-driven um, business, <laughs> well, so we love data, we love tech. Um, it was a digital survey that we did, um, and obviously that makes it a heck of a lot easier for us as well when all the results came back in. Um, and we could actually, it was really interesting. We could act actively watch the survey results as they were coming in. Um, so we got a little bit addicted to it each day. You'd, you'd go on and see see what the results were looking like. Um, so it was a digital survey. And I think we, we need to be mindful of, if you are going to do a survey, making it as easy as possible for people to complete. Um, we want to try and stay away from you know paperwork or anything along along those lines. Maybe something where people can just go on the phone or go on the laptop, complete it when they've got a spare 10 minutes um, with a cup of tea and, and make it as easy as possible for them. So yeah, we did it digitally, um, which was yeah, seemed to work for our clients and seemed happy with that. Anything with a cup of tea by your side is always is always all right, all right by me. <laughs> um, and a couple more questions before we sort of move on from the client survey, because this is this, you know, I'm sure this is really interesting. Um, how did you come up with the questions and roughly how many questions were there as a, as a ballpark kind of idea? Yeah, so in terms of how we come up with the questions, um, we worked, we've got quite a big team at Progeny. So really we work together as a team. So the marketing team, um, the proposition team, the, the ops team, the tech team, everyone come together to almost go, right, what are the, what are the things we want to know? Um, what are the really important things we want to know as a business? And actually, Lou, I think that's a really, a really good question because if you're thinking about doing a client portal, um, sorry, a client survey, that's something where you need to start is there's no there's no right or wrong questions to ask. It's going to be really individual to your business. So we basically sat back and said, right, knowing what our strategy is as a business and our objectives are, what do we want to know? And I think that's what you need to do. If you're going to do a survey, sit back and think, right, what are the key things I want to know from my client? What is it that's going to influence what we do going forward? Um, what's important from maybe what's going on in a, from the regulatory perspective? Um, and actually, what is it that we want to know? And that's what we did. We almost just did a bit of a brainstorm to go, OK, what do these questions look like? Um, how, how, how do we get that information together? What's the best question to ask? Um, and actually getting getting heads together. So if you have got a few different people within your business, you may be um, someone in compliance and someone who's a financial planner um, and then someone running the business. If you're the business owner, actually get your heads together to go right collectively. What do we want to know from our clients? And I think that's the best place to start. And then you can start to turn it into questions. And do you think there's a there's a place because I know some of our our kind of firms have a what they call a kind of client board. So they have a. Um, a representation from not not lots of clients but you know it might even be half a dozen clients to to take some feedback from the clients to maybe feed into some of this data side of things do you think there's there's value in that Oh, absolutely. And it's really funny you mentioned that, actually, because we are in the process of setting up what we call a client advisory board at Progeny, because I think that's so valuable, isn't it? Is if you're doing a wider client survey, fantastic. But there's going to be stuff that comes back that you want to know a bit more about or you want to dig into a little bit more. So I think this concept of having a client board where actually you can have a selection of clients who hopefully represent your client bank. Mm -hmm 
you can actually sit down and start to dig into things in a little bit more detail and actually start to get a little bit more feedback. And I think one of the things you mentioned earlier is about if you get negative feedback. And I think, do you know what? It's not being afraid of that because I suppose the purpose of doing these kinds of things really is to get that feedback, isn't it? It's great to get the, you know, the confirmation and all the positive stuff that they love what you're doing. But actually, the really valuable bit is that feedback that maybe isn't so positive because that's the bit that you can change and that's the bit that can influence your business strategy. So I think actually having that client board where you can then sit down with the clients and start to drill down in a bit more detail is a fantastic idea. And if you've got the resource to do it, I would absolutely um, think you should you should be looking at doing that. And those those clients that come back, you know, you know, and hopefully it's not too frequently, but it will happen. You know, it's, it's life and it's business, isn't it, with the negative feedback? Actually, it's not. You know, it's not necessarily so much about the problem that happened. It's how the how the business and how the advisor and how the team deal with that. And, and they can kind of turn into your, you know, your biggest supporters. And with Money Info, we've got a, um, a function called NPS, Net Promoter School, which is a bit like if we can remember going through the airports, the kind of sad face, smiley face and somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, so within the portal, um, people can add a dashboard pod that says, how likely would you be to recommend whatever it is you call your portal um, to a friend or colleague and scoring between one and ten. Um, everything gets logged, all of the comments, and it's only very, very short. But if there is a negative, that will ping a member of staff at the, the organisation. And at least, you know, you, you can manage what you know, can't you? So um, it's always, always useful to know, even if it's not, you know, not the, the high praise that we all like to, to read and see um, on, our, on our services. Absolutely. And I think the fact that they're still a client, even if they're, they're giving you feedback, that's not that great. They're still a client. So they're still engaged in, in what you do as a business. Actually, that, as you rightly say, and, you know, looking at that data from things like the net promoter score is so valuable, isn't it? Because it's starting to give you that insight into what does our client value? What's working for them? What's not working for them? And if you've got a pretty low um, net promoter score across the board, then that's a little bit worrying, really. And you go, right, OK, we're not doing something right here. We need to we need to fix it. And it gives you that opportunity, doesn't it, to actually really start to do something right before it becomes a bigger problem. So I think it's absolutely not being afraid of, of some of the negative feedback, because that's probably the most valuable feedback you're going to get. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's not, I think what's coming out of this is it's not just, you know, it's not just number crunching and stats. And yes, you know, absolutely, you need that, you know, data on how many clients and, you know, maybe where do they live and, you know, what's their net worth and how much is their property worth, you know, all of those kinds of things. But it's, you know, some of the, the data is about the softer, the softer side and the softer facts rather than just filling a box between you know, one and 10, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it is thinking about, it, it comes back to what I said earlier, it's thinking about looking at your own business and going, what is it I really want to know about my business? And I suppose this comes back to actually, how can you start to build this into your business if you're not doing it already? It's starting at that point and going, forget the, just the terminology of being data-driven, but just think about what would you really like to know about your business and how can you start to get that information? 
information together from a data perspective to actually just really yeah give you some insight into into how maybe you can do things better how you can deliver things better um and i think as well Lou, one of the things we, we briefly touched upon but i think it's really important is having all of this data available is fantastic again from an fca perspective because doesn't that just signify that you've got fantastic systems and controls in place and you know exactly what's going on within your business so if you've got this kind of particularly the softer data as well i think that's so so important in terms of going i know what's going on within my business and i know what my clients are thinking as well so i think that's really important yeah and it might be that you you, you know you don't necessarily have to act on this you know this data that you're collecting immediately if you're a you know um, a business that's been I don't know say going for 18 months data might not be you know on on the top of your priority list because yeah. you're you know you're in a startup and you're concentrating on getting new clients and retaining your existing clients but actually you know that kind of building away in the background at some point you know you'll have a chance to to review that so it feels like you know firms look at their systems that they have in place look at the applications they're using and start there with what data can you know what data are we already collecting because I know from a money info perspective we've got the dashboard which looks at things like how many times the app's been downloaded how many times clients are logging in are clients going in via the branded app or via the desktop how many times have they logged in and having worked with you know CRM back office systems I know there is a raft of management information available so that maybe feels like a really good you know what, what have we got already before we kind of look at what else we want you know what what's being collected just by us maintaining a CRM or offering a client portal um, that's already being being kind of tracked absolutely I think do you know what Lou that's such a good point that actually within a lot of the back office systems within the money info portal of you just as you've just alluded to there's loads of stuff already available and um I think one really good example, actually, from our perspective, and we've probably only recently started looking at this in the last few months, but is all the Google Analytics data that's available within the portal. So, for example, we've been looking at things like um, clicks per page. We've been drilling down to our on a client level and actually looking at what our clients are actually looking at. So when they go into the portal, so when they go into the Money Info portal, we can get that data that you guys kindly supply to us. To, to show actually what that client is looking at, what pages are they looking at? How often are they logging into the portal? And you might ask yourself, well, why is that important? The reason that's important to us is firstly, it shows us a level of engagement. So actually, is the client engaged in this piece of technology or are we just wasting our time and money using it? So actually, it's really important because it shows us that actually our clients are engaging um, looking, looking at the, the portal. But also, and this is an interesting point, and I love this from a risk perspective, it's fantastic to have that portal data there because if you get a complaint from a client, for example, who said, oh, well, I just didn't understand, I don't know, I didn't understand my investment was going to go up and down in value. One example, and I've seen this in practice, actually, in my, in my previous role, is if you've got that data available to show that your clients logged in, maybe they were logging in on a daily basis. And this is the example I seen once. Actually, you can see what the client's looking at and you can see things that the client might be going in, looking at the values of their investments. And they clearly know what's going on with their investments. 
And there was this great example once where there was a, a client complaint to say they did, it was about four years after they'd done the investment. And they said, oh, I just didn't understand my investment was going to go up and down. And actually, the firm in question had all of this fantastic data from the portal to show that actually you locked in daily. You were watching what your investment was doing. So from a risk perspective, actually, it's a really great tool to, to almost help protect you as well to go, we know what you're doing as a client. We know what you're looking at. And that's great from a almost a knowledge and experience perspective to go. We know that you're starting to understand how your investments operate as well because you're watching them and you can see what they're doing. And I think that's really, really, actually really valuable data as well to go. If the worst ever did happen, and quite frankly, hopefully firms don't get that many complaints, but if the worst ever did happen and you did get a complaint like that, you've got the data to back up what, what you've recommended. So you've not just got your, your recommendation and your suitability report to back up your advice, but you've then got the support and data to show that actually as a client, this is what you've been doing. And we, you know, we can show that from, from what we can get from your logging in on the system, et cetera. That's interesting as well. You mentioned the suitability report and the recommendation report. And I think, you know, we don't have any evidence, ironically, to back this up. But anecdotally from our you know, the clients that we work with and the, and the people we talk to is that clients don't necessarily, you know, read their recommendation reports or their suitability reports. So recently we've introduced, a, well, we've always had a document viewing report. So any documents delivered via the portal when the client clicks on the document, it, it tracks the date that that document was first accessed. But what we've also built in is, um, so say if the report was delivered on the 1st of October, um, the client hasn't opened that document, but they've logged in on the 8th of October, and then something happens subsequently where they've got a query on the report, you can at least evidence that, you know, the client would have had a notification to say a document's been delivered. They've, you know, they would have known that document was there via the, you know, the email notification, etc. That they get. They've logged in, but they haven't actually accessed the document. So, you know, it's not not about, you know, you're right. It's just managing risk, isn't it? And it's just preparing that, you know, evidence in the unlikely event. And it will, you know, it will be um, almost certainly unlikely event that it's needed. You're not then having to track back to try and find all of that evidence and proof that, you know. You, you have done everything that, that you needed to from a service and, and regulatory perspective. Absolutely. It's having that audit trail, isn't it? And I think it's just such a, such a strong and valuable audit trail to have. So it's thinking about when we talk about being data driven, there's so much value you can get from this, from whether it be around how you move forward with your business from an objectives perspective or how you manage risk within your business for all these examples we've just been talking about. There are literally so many different tangents that, that you can go on when it comes to, to data. And there's so many different areas of your business where actually it becomes really, really valuable. Um, and what up? Oh, sorry, <laughs> Sorry, Lou, I was going to say, actually, one of the things I wanted to touch upon, because you mentioned um, if you're in a startup business, perhaps you're, you're more focused on other areas of the business to, to start with if you're only 18 months in. Actually, one of the things I would say, and I think this is really important, is understanding just how valuable data is from a saleability perspective. And the reason I mentioned that, even if you're a brand new business who's just started up, is you should always have in the back of your mind what your exit plan is and actually how you get there. And even if that exit plan is 20 years down the line, I think you're in a great place at the startup point to actually start to think about how do we build this really clean business and be able to start off on almost on a good foot and not have to start to undo stuff maybe five, 10 years down the line. Actually, if you're a startup 
now, I think you're in a really strong position to start to build a really good data-driven business. Actually, if you're a business that's already well-established, you've probably got quite a lot of legacy data that you'll need to deal with. So you're probably in a bit of a different space, but particularly startups, I think that's a great time to actually get this stuff right to start with. Do you think if somebody is now, um, a business is now looking to, you know, um, be acquired or, or, you know, sell up or whatever it, whatever it might be, there is a, there is a benefit to having the data available both on, on the value of the business and also the kind of saleability. Does it cover both, both areas? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is coming from experience. So my background pre-progeny I've done loads of work in terms of helping IFA businesses prepare for sale I've worked on an acquisitions team um, in a previous role as well so the data that a business can provide is so important when it comes to a saleability and b value so let's talk about saleability Firstly, when you go through the due diligence process, when you're looking to sell your business, you are going to be asked for a raft of data about your business. And actually, if you can't provide that data, you might put you in a really difficult spot in terms of a buyer going, do you know what? If you can't provide us with that data, I probably don't want to buy this business because that's a little bit worrying. But I think the other thing is thinking about the value that it can add to your business as well. Because let's think about the purpose of that data. The purpose of that data is to allow a buyer to essentially see straight through your business. So they can see straight through your business and know exactly what it is they're buying and what risk they're taking on. So if you have data available, good data around your client demographics, around the type of advice you've provided, um, value of advice you've provided, all your file reviews, etc., that really allows someone to go, right, I know what I'm buying here. I can see what I'm buying. I can quantify the risk that we're taking on. And actually, saleability, yes, we'd love to buy you. And then B, we're not going to be able to knock you down on price because we can quantify the risk. We're not taking stuff on that we can't quantify. We can see exactly what we're taking on. So we know exactly how much the business is valued at. If you are missing data or the stuff you just can't quite prove because your management information isn't that great, your data's not that great, that gives a buyer this great opportunity to go, well, do you know what? We, we're going to knock you down on price because we don't really know what the risk is that we're taking on with this element of whatever it might be within your business. So they're always going to use that to, to negotiate downwards. So I think from a saleability and a business value perspective, having really good solid data is so so important and probably more important than you realize because as I say that is the key bit when you get to due diligence that someone is looking for and if you can take to the table a really strong set of data and you can show someone right through your business and as I say you can show them the types of advice you've given you can show them all the outputs of your file reviews. You've got all the data around your advisors, T and C, and how competent they've been over the years. You've got all the data around your client demographics, um, your average client age. You've got data showing whether you've got a growing um, client bank in terms of AUM or whether you've got clients who are mainly in income withdrawal, decumulation. Um, all of that kind of stuff is going to play a really big part in valuing your business. So I think it's not just thinking about actually how does it help us in terms of business strategy or how does it help us in understanding our clients, 
but think about your exit plan as well. And if you are going to look to sell your business, you really need to start to think about just how good quality data you hold and are you able to report on all of that? Really useful. And I think that's probably, um, some ears have picked up listening to the, to the podcast that are maybe at that, at that stage and all of everything you said, you know, I think is, I think incredible interest, but, you know, thinking about firms sitting there now, where do I start? How do I begin? What, do you have any recommendations on, you know, just some, some simple things that, that, that firms can go away and, you know, maybe implement or, or think about implementing now really? Yeah, absolutely. I think first thing, and then you mentioned this, Lou, I think this is really important. Actually, look at what technology you're using at the moment and look at what's already readily readily available. So things like, as you mentioned, Lou, if you are using the portal, there's loads of really good data that you can get your hands on um, if you're not already getting your hands on it. So go away and actually ask the question, what is readily available from, from the technology I'm already using? And your back office systems as well. There's loads of good stuff available in the back office systems that's just standard um, that you'll be able to get your hands on. But I think alongside that, probably the first um, thing that's probably the easiest thing to do is actually look at doing a client survey. So we've talked about this to death at the start of this podcast, <laughs> but think about doing a client survey. If you've not done one or you've not done one recently, I think that's a fantastic place to start in terms of gathering data. And actually, I think a really relevant place to start, given that the FCA are asking so many questions at the moment about um, do you provide value for money? So I think probably a really good place to start. Think about a client survey. Think about what questions you're going to ask and actually try to incorporate in there. Does your client value what you offer? And I think that's probably going to be a really strong data set to, to hold and it'll become really useful um, as the FCA start asking more questions around that. But I think it'll also be really useful in helping you then understand how you move forward and um, actually starting to think about what other data you want. I think will start to come off the back of that client survey as well. So I think in terms of two takeaways, the first thing is just ask the technology providers you use, what is some of the stuff they've got readily available at the moment that you're not already using? And number two, think about doing a client survey and think about what you want to know from your clients, because I think they're two quite easy things to do to start with. Brilliant. That, that is really, really useful and really appreciate your time and insight on this subject. I know I've definitely learned, um, learned you know, lot, lots about the subject and we really appreciate you taking the time out today, Carla, to, um, to talk to us on our Advisor Tech podcast. No, thank you, Lou. Brilliant. Thanks for your time, Carla. Speak to you again. Thanks. Bye now. All right. Bye-bye. The Advisor Tech Unplugged podcast was brought to you by the team at MoneyInfo. For more information, please visit www.moneyinfo.com. Book a discovery call with us to learn how we can help you to deliver a better client experience with your own branded client portal and apps from Apple and Android.